Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Restrictions across the country have made life a little harder for most. One thing I'm thankful for is still being able to train with friends on Zwift any time of the day. Being motivated by the massive community means there's always someone to ride with and new locations to explore, like the new Japan-inspired Mercury Islands, my personal favorite, and the UCI World Championship courses. Riding with friends makes the training easier and they always know how to push me. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Is, uh, joining me is of course today, Dave McKenzie, like every day at this world. Like every day, Christophe, I am well. Are you good? I'm all right. I'm You're all right. right. Yeah, we're, we're pushing through. Look, hey, yeah. don't worry, mate. The rest day. Rest day's coming. There's no rest day for this There's podcast. the horizon, and I can see it. I can see a you can beautiful tray of paella, you can, you some can tappers. See, you can see nothing, my friend. We are not <laughs> stopping. There is no uh, rest day for this podcast. We are on tomorrow with a special. So who you got coming? Well, you'll see. You're coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, anyway, we have uh, somebody else joining us today. It's, of course, Brady O'Donnell. How are you, Brady? Hola. I don't know any Spanish, but adonde es el apolo? I think, is that where is the chicken? Not too bad. Yeah. Where is the chicken? Yeah, well done. Well, uh, we, we were stuck on two cervezas or dos cervezas, por favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Hey, it's you, you learn the basics. What is it? You learn the the, the necessities, correct? Effectively, day so, by day. Yeah. day How by are you, Brody? Yeah. You good? Yeah, I'm fine. Just fine. Love lockdown week nine or whatever it is. Oh, gee, I know. No, it's okay. You're doing well. We're all. I'm we're fine. All, we're tough. We we are hardened in Melbourne, aren't we? We, <laughs> we are. are tough. <laughs> Tough as nails. Anyway, let's talk about the Vuelta uh, big stage uh, last night. And we changed a little bit the narrative on this podcast because now we can show you a bit of uh, footage. So let's take you through the last kilometer of uh, yesterday. Maka? Yeah, look, it was, a, it, it was a great stage. Very fast. They were averaging literally 55 kilometers an hour in that last sort of 20 minutes of racing. You see here, De Kernick quick step. Coming in, Seneschal was the man doing the last lead out for Fabio Jakobsen. Philipson was in the green. He got a little bit boxed. Michael Matthews actually had himself in a really good position in the last 400 metres. It was a long lead out. It was a headwind sprint, but they were still doing about 60 kilometres an hour right now. couple of kinks in the road. Arno DeMar was also in the mix as well. He's One of his teammates had lost him. You can see there, second wheel. Coming around this corner, Seneschal's still going. He said afterwards about how long the lead-out was. Watch the sprint towards the line. Jakobsen now jumps. He who jumps first wins. Philipson came from nowhere, tried to get to him. Denise, the Italian, ended up second, actually, uh, coming across the line. Michael Matthews, I think, was seventh. We couldn't find it, but I did see a replay, the overhead replay. I don't know if you saw it, Bridie, but... Michael Matthews effectively didn't sprint. He he effectively didn't sort of get out to sprint. He tried to, but he just couldn't. So he still came seventh. Um, he's I, mean, I know it's tough, and it's easy to sit on the other side of the fence and nitpick and what they couldn't couldn't have done. But um, yeah, I've, I've felt for Michael. But Jakobsen, he's super, isn't he? 
He is, but I think the first thing you said was it was so fast. It really is. Mm. You know, this many days in, the high speed. Matthew's also performed incredibly well a week ago in the prologue. Like, this is a guy whose form is very good. But if you think about those specialist sprinters and Jakobsen and de Kunik with all their confidence, that is hard to match for someone like Michael. Yeah, and if we look at uh, if we look at this footage here, we've seen so many teams hugging it out after after a win. But there's something special, Brady, about the Wolfpack. Well, certainly, um, we you know this is like the winning team's attitude. They know how to win. It becomes a culture. It becomes a habit. They expect to, you know, there's no kind of question about where will the riders be for the lead out. Um, certainly even even in the support they all showed um, to Mikael Merku at the Olympics, you know, they are really united in how they approach racing. It doesn't matter where they're racing all over Europe or in, in that case in Tokyo. So with Jakobsen now, like there's an expectation and that comes with kind of a greater sense of legs. I don't know about you, Maka, but when I've been racing where you've got a rider that you're riding for and he or she is just super, you you're doing everything you can so that elevates everyone's capability whereas if you've got a team that's kind of like ah oh, well you know how fast that guy is even alberson we've seen how well they perform but they don't have that same team culture and that's got to help yeah you're spot on you, you you've seen something about uh lefevre and jacobson is is all worth pretty much in 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 heavy euros or dollars he's changing the game a little bit yeah i mean it's yeah and just to finish on that that whole wolf pack thing I think we all know, and it doesn't matter what sport does it, when the psyche is positive, when there's a positive sort of psyche within a team or within a group, whether it's, you know, on a football pitch, a tennis court or whatever, there's not much stopping you. But yeah, let's just turn our attention to Patrick Lefebvre. Yeah. He's, he's got a sort of weekly column, I think, in Het Newsblad, one of the major Belgian newspapers. I'm just going to look at my notes because I want to say the quote. The sponsor, this is Patrick Lefebvre, the sponsors suggested a campaign in which they wanted to play Mark's image, Mark Cavendish, and I'll explain that in a second, image-wise, but he didn't think that was in line with his salary at the moment. So the, the point of that is they're now negotiating, discussing Mark Cavendish's potential new contract, because remember, he was only on one contract. I've lost count. Four stage wins at the tour? He got uh, yeah. four. Yeah, he got four. He didn't win the final one. Remember, Jakobsen signed for two years already now, but that was before he'd won his second stage overnight. Sam Bennett, as we all know, uh, is leaving. There's also talk, Lefebvre has said, Viviani could come back. Bridey, what do you make of all of this? <laughs> and what, what do you think about the Cavendish stuff first? Well, firstly, you're right about Cavendish. He had one year... And we all kind of speculated about the idea that would he have put something into his contract like, by the way, what will my bonus structure be if I win four or maybe even five stages or break Eddie Merckx's record? Um, so that's, I'm sure, for the lawyers to sort out. But um, there was so much emotion and in the renaissance and, and the recovery of a man like um, Mark Cavendish that everyone was excited by that. But let's not forget, cycling is a business. There are contracts, there is money to be had. And if anyone is not playing the team role in the Wolfpack, it's actually Lefebvre. I mean, look how heavily he was criticised about that commentary he made about Bennett. I mean, the man that can say terrible. idiotic and stupid things. Um, Bennett was very um, sophisticated in by not engaging whatsoever. So I don't think Lefebvre minds in being the disruptor. He acts like he's Mr. Team Guy. But really, I, I think the idea of playing a sprinter off each other or a high-profile rider off each other, it's actually not helpful at all. Yeah, and then 
However, I agree. Everything you're saying, by the way, I agree. But let me play devil's advocate um, because Lefebvre, I guess one thing we can give him is he's a pretty good businessman. Uh, Mark Cavendish is, what, 36? Yes, he's come back. He's come back from nowhere. Two, three years of, you know, we all, we all pretty much wrote him off. Every expert in the game. And, and we're forgiven for that because of his age. He's won four stages. There's no guarantees he can deliver for them next year, is there? Absolutely. And if I can quote the famous Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's a lot easier to be the wolf climbing the hill to, you know, to, to kill the other wolves than the one being at the top. Everyone will now, the expectation of Cavendish at the 2022 Tour de France will be how many stages and by how much. Whereas he was just, you know, grateful to be there. The tears were flowing. It's a comeback. So it's a completely different context, a very different mindset. Maybe Cavendish isn't the mindset for a guy who's going to walk in with the confidence at 37 um, mm. and with other riders nipping at his heels saying, well, I wouldn't mind being the key sprinter with Jakobsen and maybe Viviani. I mean, the interesting thing about Viviani, I always think, is he's got a bit of a dual purpose. We know what a track rider he is. He didn't manifest the results in the Omnium that he would have wanted at Tokyo. So he's going to go on with it. He's not retiring with glory for Italy. So there's a lot of um, egos for Lefebvre to play off against each other. And you're right, he is a good businessman. But if, let's be let's be real about what we love about the Tour de France or the, the Vuelta. It's the passion, the unpredictability, um, the emotion, the, the um, remarkable nature of what lifts men to do. And having commentated the Tour de France, I feel like we saw more men crying at the end of stage wins than ever before because it was about, you know, lost loved ones, important moments, um, COVID impacts. So it's not all business. There's, there's got to be factors that need to be measured about heart, commitment, emotion that we all love. Yeah, absolutely. And then I still can't wait for the Netflix series. I still think Dukinik is working on a on a bit of a documentary yeah. around all this. It's there's a, there's you know. a lot. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to play out. Yeah. And I, that's why I felt we just had to talk about it a little bit. But you know what? There was a winner yesterday. Yeah. Let's go back <laughs> and to there the was winner. There was a race. Uh, <laughs> some glory. Yeah. <laughs> Let's listen from Fabio Jakobsen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's very special to be here again, you know. Uh, the team did a perfect job, they kept the speed high and even though I lost them a little bit, I was still in a good position and uh, I launched my sprint uh, just in the corner, 200 to go and uh, I was the fastest, I think. It was a very uh, specific finale with the win. Was it about uh, being fast or being smart? Uh, it was uh, about being strong, fast and uh, it's about timing, I think. On a finish like this, uh, you need to be on time. Uh, I've been twice too late, and this uh, this time I was perfectly right uh, from the corner, and uh, I could do a full sprint to the line. It was a, a big symbol in your life and in your career to win a, a stage at La Vuelta. What does it mean to win a second stage? Oh, I, I think it means that, uh, that uh, you know, like two years ago I won twice. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, extremely happy and I'm grateful to be here. Uh, I'd like to thank the team again. Patrick Lefebvre is here today. I'm sure he's happy and uh, this is what we will keep on doing. Try to win sprints. Obisiat. Thank you. Hey, Fabio is, uh, is playing the game a little it bit. It doesn't, doesn't <laughs> hurt when, you know, it's, isn't it funny we're talking about the boss and he yeah. turns out nice to win when the boss yeah, is there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, this, this actually is fueling a, a bit of comment on, on our page. Uh, we've got Kevin that says, uh, Dukinik with all the sprint option and a certain Julian as well. So someone has to play the domestic. 
at some point in uh, in this team. Uh, and there's also Julian that says that uh, Cav benefited at the Tour from the absence of all the others and the best young sprinters. And he thinks it's unlikely for Cav to actually repeat that King, next King year. King Kyler wasn't there. Yeah. Well, it's just, well, he was, but very, for Not a very for short long, yeah. period. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Absolutely. Uh, so overall, a good win. Uh, are we likely to see Fabio win again in this Vuelta? The next sprintage is a bit further down the line, yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's right. I think, Bridey, the next, they're saying the next sprint stage is stage 13, potentially. Do you see any opportunities for Michael Matthews? Not not necessarily the sprint stages, but we know the Vuelta is just like this crazy sort of chaotic race. You have a mountain stage, a sprint stage, a rest day, you know, a, a, an undulating day. It's not like the Tour or the Giro even. How does Michael Matthews win? I think he can. I mean, we've seen him perform so well in that late in the second week. Um, he's a great Grand Tour rider. He's got great capabilities um, on some slight uphill sprints as well. We've seen him do that from for the last 10 years, even since he went one in Geelong um, 10 years ago or 11 years ago. So never rule him out. I think the other thing is that... Um, We've seen this in other riders sometimes in Grand Tours where there's a slight relaxation. I'm not suggesting to Kuna Quickstep take their foot off the gas, but that idea like we came, we, we've achieved what we came here to do, whereas Matthews is that hunger will still feed him. And you're right about Caleb's absence in the Tour de France. I mean, what I liked about Jakob Zimmer, what he said was, oh, so it's pretty simple. You've just got to be strong. You've got to be fast. Um, and you've got to time it to be there when the finish line comes. And we've heard Robbie talk about this. I'm not a sprinter, but that idea of like you could be the fastest person, but if you accelerate just a, a little late or a little early, no stage win for you. So Matthews yeah. is a smart rider. He can totally win the stage. Yeah. yeah well, remember good, that good. Philipsen is still here as well. So this is this is really a two-prone uh, yeah. sprint. And, yeah, and, and, Andrew, and uh, Matthews as well. Yeah, and I guess the other thing we should remind ourselves and – and our audience as well. There's that prospect that Michael could go home in yeah. the next four or five days because of the world championships. Yeah. His form is, he, I agree with you, Bridie, his form is brilliant. He, and he deserves a win for the, for the persistence. Um, but gee, the world championships could be the one. Yeah. Um, let's hope so. Let's yeah. hope so. Uh, there's a guy in red. He's still in red. He's, he was, he's he's trying to get rid of it. But Belinda said yesterday in a, in a rookie recap, he can't give the thing away. Yeah, it's like a bad <laughs> present. You want to give it away to someone and you can't. No but one wants it. Actually, you know what? Let's listen to this and let's debate actually what he wants to do with that red jersey. We are in the middle of the sea with people on holiday on one side, on the other side. But how difficult was your job coming here? Uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, it's... Uh... Super nice, actually, for us uh, to, that we can enjoy such a big support. Uh, I think uh, it's, uh, it feels really much different than uh, it was like a year ago. And, uh, yeah, uh, again, a nice day. Uh, stayed uh, stayed uh, out of the troubles. Tomorrow, an important stage. After tomorrow, rest day. Which situation would you like for yourself for the rest day? Yeah, every situation that there will be, I have to go with it. But uh, yeah, it's true. Tomorrow is a big day in the mountains. Uh, guys, yesterday showed that uh, yeah, they are super strong. So uh, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, I also have a good legs. And uh, yeah, definitely we, we will fight. Huh? Thank you. That was Primoz Roglic. You know what? The, the details here. The silences, the pauses, 
He doesn't want that red jersey for the for the rest there. He doesn't want it. He doesn't. You know what I reckon we should do, both of you? I think we should do a sort of cheap dubbed over voice because he, because he's got the mask on and we might that way we might get a bit more out of him. Yeah, maybe. And, and we can just sort of say what we really want him to say and um, no one will know. But Brady, uh, actually there was a comment saying you're not wearing red by any mistake. You're probably thought about Absolutely. wearing your red today. Intentional. Uh, but do you think Roglic wants to wear red on the rest day or tonight? We'll talk about the stage tonight. He'll be more than happy to just let it go and then get it back next week. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? We talked about this with um, Pogacar in the Tour de France. I don't think any rider of that esteem wants to lose um, a red jersey. I think it would be convenient if someone else took it. But if you think about who's third and fourth, you've got two Movistar riders in third and fourth as well. So there'll be some typical Movistar politics going on there. Um, I think he can't help himself. If you think about the way we all race, not many of us, when we've been an athlete, sit back and go, I'm happy to let that go. Because then you would never want to get to the end of 21 stages and think, if only I hadn't have allowed those X number of seconds because I wanted to be strategic. So I, I think there's a natural inclination to fight and to hold on to it. Whereas if he has a bad day, he has an excuse to lose the red jersey. Like, I just didn't have the legs, I lost 12 seconds, or I didn't win the stage and there were bonuses. So I don't think many pro cyclists, Grand Tour riders that want to win are intentionally allowing. Look at the way Pogaccio approached those um, final climbs with uh, Vingard and Carapaz. Like, there's not... You can't ask an athlete to hold back, I think. Mm. Okay, very good point. He'll, yeah, all I'd add to it is he'll lose it to a guy that he's not a challenger for, yeah. the, for the final mm -hmm. jersey. But that's the further the race goes, those riders don't exist because they're too far down. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Ineos mm. uh, because we've got uh, Pavel Sivakov. He's got the Polkado jersey, but there's a bit more to the story with Ineos because we knew, and we said this here, that they were coming here into this uh, this Vuelta as the main contender against Jumbo Visma. Uh, let's listen to uh, Pavel Sivakov and then we'll debate of what do we think of their performance as a team going forward. Pavel, tell us about today. There was again win. It's, there is never an easy day on the Vuelta. It's always nervous. Yeah, yeah, it was again a bit nervous. I mean, today was probably we, we had quite a bit of a of the day quite calm, but yeah, I was a bit nervous again in the final, a bit windy, open. So yeah, it was again a bit of stress for everyone. Tomorrow there are some points in the game. We will uh, you will look at them or. It's all about the team. No, it's all about the team. It's all about the GC. I mean, uh, this was a, a little bonus yesterday. I didn't even try to to wear to take the jersey. So, yeah, we'll see. What do you expect of tomorrow? It's a stage for, to to try to to attack Primoz, to try to attack Movistar. Or at this moment of the race, is a bit more wait and see for the leaders. Yeah, I mean, we will see. I didn't speak yet with the DSs and we don't know yet what will be the tactic, but for sure tomorrow is a good opportunity to try and do something before the, the first rest day. Tomorrow being uh, today, but uh, he's a guy. What do you make of his comment oh, I about like the I, Look, I, yeah, I, I like criticised him for his tactics two days ago, but... I like the guy. Be careful, he's almost French. I think he's becoming French very anytime soon now. Yeah, he is. He actually is. You're right. He's changing his citizenship. Um, Brody, I can tell you, hand on heart, I don't know about you, I never accidentally got a jersey in my whole career. Never, ever. I 100% tried my hardest. How about you? Yeah, I did you? At the Cadell Evans Road Race, I got the sprinter's jersey 
We're just trying to stay out of trouble. Um, <laughs> but sometimes that, that does happen. But I think what's really interesting about Ineos is um, they feel like, it feels to me like they're a team that's had better media training than a lot of other teams. They they know how to message a lot better. So Sivakov can say, oh, sure, it's all about the team. I mean, Bernal's only 41 seconds down. So we've seen extraordinary performances from him as a rider, but what also cut up is at two, I think, two forty-eight on GC, nothing to prove, Olympic gold medalist, podium at the Tour de France. So they still have their weaponry, um, mm. but I have a real soft spot for Sivakov. I keep thinking about last year's Tour de France, crashing on stage one, repeated crashes. You know, he's a real workhorse. Um, and you talked about him being French. He's got Russian parents, French heritage, lives near Spain. There's a lot of reasons to like this rider. Um, not that I want Stora to be dethroned. I'd love for Michael Stora to move his way up into the polka dot jersey. But I don't know. I feel good about this. Yeah, I'm with you. He is any. He- he comes across like a really nice guy. Yeah, guy, absolutely. Yeah. Even in French. So yeah. French is pe- pe- <laughs> We want him. We'll take him. We'll take him. Really? Yeah, okay. he's that good. He's All that right. good. I think we'll, right. uh, we'll take him. Uh, there was a question a bit earlier on. I'm going to try to bring it here about Michael Matthews. Uh, just let's go back on, on the role of yeah, Michael Matthews. But uh, look at Mesge. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about him a little bit. Uh, Let's actually listen from him and then we'll understand a bit about his role and then we'll debate what could happen next in this team. You're also a bike exchange rider. What is your task and what is your goal today? My task is uh, the same as I had in the Tour de France, so uh, leading out Michael. Uh, we have a bit of a limited team here for the leadout train, so it's me and Rob who helps him. And yeah, it's uh, pretty hard to bring him to 200, but I try to put him on a good wheel, normally behind the sprinter, and uh, yeah, I hope I can uh, manage to do my job. And I just wanted to bring the question here because the question was from Aileen. Does Michael not have the finish he needs or his train is not, the train is not strong enough? But the train is one man. It's that man. And, and that's their tactics. How do you see this compared to other tactics for pure sprinters? Yeah, Mike, yeah one, good question. One, Michael's not a purist yeah. sprinter. We saw that on the stage to Cuyera. He's actually got some weapons. He, he can go up sh- uh, short, sort of powerful climbs. So on the flat stages, absolutely. But Bridie, I think um, Mezgetz, I think he's been brilliant. And, and as Christoph said, he's got a one-man sort of uh, lead-out train. But Mezgetz has delivered him to a good position every day. And, you know, you can't do much when you've got Jakobsen and Philipson who are obviously flying. I totally agree with you. And Messias have been really good. Um, I like the parallels to all the us civilians in our normal day jobs. Role clarity is important. If you know what your job is and how to, what success looks like, it's very easy to do that. So that's all Messias has to do. He, he's trying to do his best, but he's no competition for an entire Alps and Phoenix or Dakuna Quickstep Wolfpack. So I think their ambitions are different. And we've heard Matt White talk about this idea of freestyling you know he likes to describe his riders as people who can be opportunist sprinters so it's a great question by Elaine but I think it's a different you're looking at quite different models of sprinters but but on on that note though and then we will move on after this but uh, can Medgek be the man that brings the victory or a stage win for the bike exchange team if Michael goes and then we go to stage 13 it's a bit more of a sprinter stage then can he be the man instead of being the lead out for Michael to actually take it for himself and take it for the team? 
I think he can. But again, we get to that period of a, a end of second week, beginning of third week, where how how less tired are your legs compared to everyone else and the luck of a break? I mean, if we think about some of the 15 or 20 person breaks that can sometimes succeed, that's when we'd see him perform very well. I'm not sure about that pure 100 guys coming into the line at 60k an hour, whether he's got that same kind of kick at the end. Yeah. Mm. yeah, absolutely. Let's have a look at the uh, ranking for the uh, Vuelta so far. So we have, uh, of course, Primoz Roglic is in the lead. Uh, and then after that, who can you think can actually... We have Jack Haig, uh, seventh in this. Uh, and Adam Yates is tenth as well. So who, yeah. who can you uh, uh, see actually taking anything from Roglic from this top ten? I, I see, to me, Brady, I see uh, Bernal as the big... Challenger, or he is he is sort of the man to beat as well, if you like. Roglic, Bernal. I actually think Jack Haig will end up becoming the leader at Bayran. I think Ooh, Lander we'll, is going to lose we'll time. We'll debate this in a minute. Yeah. And I think, who else is in there? I was, Yates, Yates is top Oh, Yates. Yates is, Yates is playing the super domestique role. But he can be a danger man as well. I mean, he looks pretty good to me, Adam Yates. I agree, but the other what kind of slightly dark horse number nine there, Vlasov from Astana. Like you know, this is a team who were slightly quiet in the Tour de France as well, um, and yet have performed so well in Grand Tours generally. Um, I've of course completely biased against Haig. I think he's a great rider, and we we all had huge hopes for him before he crashed out of the Tour de France, um, and was we were thinking of him as a as a Tokyo Olympics rider as well, suited to that course. The impact of, of a crash, but the operation and the timeout, all that stuff changes your form as well. So he, there's a freshness in his mentality, but there's not that same race form in his legs. Um, and no matter how tough any rider is, once they've crashed and broken a bone, you just have a slight shift in perhaps the, the decisions you make or maybe some of the dangerous situations you get yourself into, descending, bunch sprints, that kind of thing. It's um, But just putting your doctor's hat on, Brady, it's... Incredibly impressive, isn't it, what, that Jack's been able to bounce back. Like five weeks ago, he was in a French hospital, and here he is now, nine days in on general classification, high up. Yeah. French hospital, that's exactly right. It's terrifying that he even had his operation there, but um, not to diss the French <laughs> What it's What's funny, going on think... with French hospitals? Let me know. <laughs> um, I've been to a French hospital. I got my knee sewn up there. They did a fine job. Um, what I do think is really interesting is that professional athletes get often the best medical care and then the other thing they have, of course, that's different from all regular civilians is complete time off to rest and recover. They're not there going trying to go back to work with their arm in a sling in their regular day job. So they are able to rehab. They also often get their collarbone. I mean, wasn't Caleb operated on, you know, within about 36 hours or less than his crash? So you're getting the best medical care very quickly and we see riders often on the wind trainer two days later. So the average punter is not usually doing that. They're sitting around for a while. They're waiting to get a third opinion. They're going to work. They've got a sling on. So everything about the muscularity of, of your shoulder and a fractured clavicle changes in that time. Whereas if you get operated on quickly, I'm, I'm not suggesting he's not a superstar because he is, but every, the, the context around him has been so enabling for his recovery. So, And he's driven and focused on that task at hand with no other distractions. So that's a wonderful benefit for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just need to add, I, I, who we haven't mentioned in those GC guys, of course we have to give, I think, Lopez and Enric Mas yeah. 
Movistar, yes, they've lost their, their sort of captain in Valverde, but really those two were always going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And they're looking good. I think yeah. they're looking good. Uh, let's have a look at the, the jersey. Of course, we saw Roglic is in red. Jakobsen is in green. Sivakov, we saw that he's in a polka dot. And Bernal is still in the uh, young jersey, the young rider jersey. Okay, let's change focus and talk about the stage tonight. Uh, let's have a look at uh, the, the road for tonight. This is a... a a mountain stage, a pure mountain stage. This is going to be a cracker of a stage, actually. Yeah, this is it's a proper mountain stage. We've had some summit finishes already, but this has got 4,593 metres of altitude gain. Exactly. It's the, it's the most in any stage of the Vuelta. You don't like to be precise. Uh, I know. Normally I'm not, but I've written it down, so I thought I'd better you know, go off the script. Four major climbs, Bridie, almost topping out at 2,000 metres, the highest peak. This is a monster, isn't it? It is. I don't know. Have you ridden around this area, Maka? It looks beautiful, but so difficult. I have ridden bits. Not not tonight's stage. I've ridden down south in the Sierra, right down south, Sierra Nevada. And I have ridden in some of this region, but I don't know these climbs. Um, okay. it's, yeah, it's going to be tough. Let's have a look at the Aussies for tonight. And I just want us to focus on, on a couple of Aussies. We already spoke about Jack Haig, and we'll come back to Jack Haig in a second. But uh, Sebastian Berwick. Let's listen from him, and then maybe there's something in this. Being a young Australian, riding La Vuelta for the first time, what's your feeling when Michael Storo wins his first stage? It's pretty cool to see uh, an Australian getting up for the win, definitely. And it gives us motivation to you know, keep pushing and try to get the same result, I guess. Yeah. When do you think you will be able to do the same? Oh, I don't think you can put a time on it at the moment. Uh, at the moment, it's just trying to get through the stages and hopefully in the second half of next week and in the third week, I can try for some good, good opportunities. Even Sunday, who knows? Even Sunday, who knows? We are Sunday. Who knows? Is it a, is it a, can the break away, can you pull them back up again? And I'll ask you the question, Bridie, do you think the break can win the day today or is it a GC guys day? Well, um, heavily caveated with the fact that the La Vuelta is always unpredictable, absolutely the break can win a day. Look at that incredible climb there. The, um, I'm just trying to read the name of it, the Colalo Vendaluiza. Ridiculous climb. Look how the peak that they get to beforehand as well. So I think that it can. And the challenge, I think, is that, is that the GC is still quite close. There are a lot of riders within that um, six, five to six minutes, and then it completely blows out. So if you see, if we started to see some riders, even guys like Lucas Hamilton, Stanard, you know, these are riders, Kiwi and Australian riders that could put themselves into a good position. Um, but I think that it, it would be an intent that the break would get away. It would give Roglic that opportunity you mentioned earlier as well, um, Christoph, about allowing a better a, a breakaway guy getting yeah. the jersey. Mm. But how, how good to hear as well, Sebastian Berwick, talking about the win from Storer, probably opening up a little bit in their mindset, all the Aussies going, hey, oh, if he's done it, now it's my turn. Yeah, belief. Having like, belief. Join the queue. Join the queue. Yeah, There's a turn yeah. about to, uh, young Aussies to, uh, to win their first stage. Uh, Jack Egg. We spoke about Jack Egg. Yep. Let's listen from him. So that, that was a couple of stages ago, but it's very relevant because it's about today. It's all about the leadership in the team. No, we need to make, we always knew the breakaway was going to be hard to make and we knew that we needed to have one rider in there. So it didn't really matter who we had in there and it just ended up being myself and Damiano trying really hard there. 
and I was lucky enough to choose the right moment and I found myself there. And when I was there, I really wanted to try and fight for a good stage result. And I knew if the stage result happened, I would probably move up on GC. But we still have Mikkel and he's the GC leader. I think we'll find out a little bit more on Sunday. It's another really hard stage and we'll really sort of see where the GC is and especially the standing on the team. That was Jack Haig. So uh, it's all about the leadership at uh, at Bahrain Victorious. Uh, do you think Jack Haig from tonight, because of the form Landa has, and you, you or will, lack of, or <laughs> lack of uh, exactly, uh, do you think Jack Haig tonight will switch to a leader's position, or is likely to switch to a leader's position for his team? Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be surprised if he doesn't. And and uh, um, look, I'm. It might sound biased, but. And I thought Jack was just being open and honest there, Bridie. He's saying, of course, we have to support Mikel at the moment. He's actually not that far down. He's lost sort of 20 seconds here, 30 seconds there. But they would be silly if they just said, right, you're out, Mikel. Jack's the man. They will know after tonight, though, I think. And, um, you know, I think even that stage where into Cuyeta, where Michael Matthews was really in the hunt, I know it was a two-kilometre power little climb, which totally does not suit Mikel Lander. However, he still lost almost 30 seconds. When you're when you're that good a climber, yep. you can't afford to lose time, even on those little climbs. Bernal was there, Roglic was there, Lopez, they're all there. And they're similar type of riders to a degree, don't you think? Absolutely. And you talk about Bernal. He is an absolute master at being on the wheel, the right wheel of someone like Philippe Ogana. We saw that in the Tour de France and other races, make, staying out of trouble. If, if you really want to win this race, you can't say, oh, gee, that 2K climb really took it out of me. I, I lost some time. Because not only are you losing position on GC, but as you say, Jack's going to do the right things, say the right things in an interview. Um, a lot of that stuff's more moderated than it ever was. We're not seeing writers just sprouting off, you know, random thoughts. But they've got to <laughs> give them every great? opportunity. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? If we could grab them before they get in the bus. Um, but so there's some control around messaging, but absolutely they're going to say until there's a point where Jack has clearly got the form, got the legs, um, and today is definitely a day that will demonstrate that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, before we move on yeah. uh, in any other stories, uh, Maka, what's going on? What did you say yesterday? Because there are a lot of people saying, hey, thank you for the invite. We yeah, my hubby is a technician or an electrician. Oh. Happy to work for Sangria's. <laughs> uh, we have like renovation rescue. There's there's lots of comments. What's happening? Where uh, do you live in Spain? What's happening? I'm blowing. Look, I'm <laughs> blowing my trumpet. Du, du, du. Well, not really, but I'm obviously excited on it, and I'm missing this this sort of ramshackle uh, big house that, that we bought a couple of years ago. It needs a and I, it all started. I said to Matt Keenan when we we're in the Valencian region, region and we we're talking about the citrus fruit and, of course, <laughs> Valencian oranges. And I said, Matty, when you come over, big jug of sangria, fresh oranges. And someone said, oh, well, that's a bit rude that he's not inviting the rest of the couch peloton. Yeah. <laughs> so then I extended the, the invite, Bridie. And, of course, you know you're always welcome, Christoph. I'm there. But I did stipulate to you, the couch peloton, you can't just turn up and drink my sangria. You've got to bring a trade. You've got to bring a per up like I need plasterers. I need electricians, plumbers, builders, everything. Yeah, the whole lot. <laughs> do, we need, do we need to know how to speak Spanish? Can we just be grunt workers? Like, give us a bit of a just sense. grunt workers will do. <laughs> just grunt. Look, if you provide fromage Friday, I that'll will. just about get you in the door. Yeah, and I can coordinate the catering. I'd be very good at that. Um, yeah, and excellent. Translating excellent. Services. Any other news? 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, there is other news. Yeah, just quickly. Uh, so speaking of collarbones and talking about Jack Haig and his recovery, and this is actually interesting, Bridie. Valverde got operated the very next day. So he's that was Saturday, yesterday. He's been operated on. The operation went well. So he will make a recovery. And I guess one question I've got for you, Bridie, can Valverde recover in time for the World Championships? He's Valverde, of course he can. He'll only be 41 41 and a half. Look, I think that he can. I mean, the thing about Valverde is he he will maintain some form. He'll get selected. If he puts his hand up, we saw this with some of the Olympians as well. If they put their hand up, if Valverde said, as a former world champion, I'd quite like to go to Flanders and represent Spain, they'd say, of course, Alejandro, what else do you need? I, I just don't know if that's the right decision for Spain, though. So, but, uh, and sorry, I'm putting you on the spot, and I don't know the exact date. How long does he need, I guess, is the question. If, like, to be physically able to, to turn up and be, you know, competitive, how many weeks would he need? Well, I don't think it's a matter of time. I'm touching wood here, but I've never fractured my clavicle. I know that means I'm not a proper professional bike rider. But what we've seen is when riders are operated on quickly, and then they're maintaining their health and fitness. They're already healthy elite athletes. They're already lean. They've already got good musculature around their shoulder and their sternum. Then as long as everything goes well, it's kind of like a regular disruption from a regular crash. It'll be a matter of whereas if you had multiple pieces of your bone and you'd also done your AC joint and you had other issues, it's just a matter of a a unique assessment for every individual rider. But in fact, a a very simple mid-shaft fracture of your clavicle is not the worst thing that could happen to any rider if they're getting a a small um, intermedullary nail put in there very quickly or a plate. So, um, well, on that note, Robbie McEwen's bugger then. He's out for about six months, I reckon. So he won't, he go won't, to he won't be at the Worlds. Robbie won't be at the Worlds. <laughs> he won't world. be at the Worlds. <laughs> uh, something happening tonight as well, though. Yes, BMX. Yeah. Yes, the BMX is on. SBS live streaming on demand, 9.15pm. It is the World Championships in the Netherlands. And we've got Lauren Reynolds, who was, she, she was brilliant at the Olympics. Yep. She took fifth place. I think she's lining up for her 11th or 12th world championships and there's a big tradition of bmx in australia and you can find out about all the Aussies, everything that is at play on the cycling central uh, website there's a great article called aussies in action at the bmx world championship it's growing it's, yeah, growing. it's growing absolutely but i mean like yep. with the success at the olympics and, oh. and so on of course it's growing yeah absolutely you just need thank you Brady, for joining us that's oh, right i'm just building my own bmx track in the backyard here i've got 80k yeah. spare simple <laughs> So you haven't learnt from Robbie McEwen, mountain biking? <laughs> no, I have not learned anything from Robbie, I'd like to say on the record. <laughs> <laughs> on the record. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, good stuff. Thank Th- you, Brady, for joining Brady. us. Uh, before Thank we you. go and then uh, we'll say the goodbyes but stay stay tuned because we want to end this program a tiny bit differently uh, mm. today mm. but thank you for joining us Brady it's always a pleasure and I'm sure uh, you'll pop in again on the uh, podcast here Thank you Thank you See you uh, soon. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Christoph. What are we ending on? Ooh, we oh, a bit of a surprise. But anyway, this the sound and the smell of the Vuelta. This is everything one day of the life of a Vuelta in one minute. On this note, next program is tomorrow. Of course, we got a special guest. Even though it's a rest day, we'll have a special guest for you. I'm not saying who that is, but you will want to turn up uh, to this uh, live podcast at 5:30 tomorrow because he's a great person. Anyway. 
one day in the life of the Vuelta, and we'll see you tomorrow. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsors with La Vuelta is all about climbing, so why not try Geraint Thomas's athlete workout? Fun is flying uphill. A great pillar of any climbing is muscular endurance, and believe me when I say that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my mates the fitness I've been able to build at home. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Right on.